0: Hey, everybody. It's me, Ben. Today, we have a little bonus episode for you here on the Writer's Panel feed. It's an interview I did with the ATX Television Festival founders, Caitlin McFarland and Emily Gibson, my pals. Uh, We did this at this year's ATX Television Festival in Austin. You can hear Austin behind us, I think. Is that right? (laughs) You can hear Austin behind us in this, uh, which shows you just what a tight community it is. Um, As you know, I love going to the ATX Television Festival. This past year was no exception. It was an absolute blast. Uh, Everything from a Felicity reunion to a Nash Bridges Writers Room reunion, which we just put out on this very podcast, um, and like a hundred other amazing things. It's really fun. You all should check it out at atxfestival.com. Next year's fest is June 6th through 9th. You should be there. Stay tuned immediately after the interview I do with Kate and Emily, uh, where we're going to play a clip from their own podcast, The TV Campfire, which, and I know you hear this a lot, if you like the writer's panel, you will like The TV Campfire. The episode you're going to hear is one of their early highlights, a conversation between television legend... And friend of this podcast, Marta Kaufman, who is the creator, of course, of Friends and Grace and Frankie. And she's in conversation with her daughter, Hannah Cantor, who's a producer on Grace and Frankie. Uh, Check out this episode. It's a great jumping on point. And enjoy this bonus episode of the Writer's Panel. And subscribe to The TV Campfire on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it, you guys. We're doing it. We're here. We're finally talking on microphones to each other. This is what, very exciting. What? I am. It's crazy. Hi, it's me, Ben. I am actually at the ATX Television Festival. Um, I talk about it. I've been talking about it for six years now. Uh, and you guys have heard recordings from the festival. Uh, and so you know how great this fest is. But I'm going to let the founders and organizers of the festival introduce themselves and tell you how great this is. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, let's start with you.
1: Uh, hi, I'm Caitlin McFarland, one of the co-founders of the festival. Tell me
0: why you love this festival.
1: Why do I love this festival? I don't see anything, so <laughs>
0: kind of terrible. But there's, <laughs> I think, you know what, there's something to be said, because I kind of only see the panels that I see. Yeah. And again, I've been talking about this for six years, so people know what this festival is if they listen to the podcast um, but there's there's a vibe going on here that you don't even have to go to a panel to have true. a great time that is
1: true I hope you do because we work really hard on the programming but it is I mean we've really leaned into this almost to the point that I don't want to say it anymore but <laughs> TV camp for grownups is and it we were labeled that by attendees, like we didn't come up with it, and now we're totally owning it and put branding the entire festival TV camp for grown-ups But it really is like summer camp, and whether you're making TV or watching TV or reporting on TV, everybody hangs out and talks about their favorite shows and what they should be watching and what they found. And there's a lot of drinking and eating in between. There are games at times, <laughs> impromptu games of Mafia happened on the balcony last year. Heads up is a popular one. Um, <laughs> themed cocktail. But it really is. I mean, TV is such a collaborative medium, both for the viewer in terms of sharing it with people, uh, that it is the in person version of maybe social media or when you're texting your friend about the new show that you love. You're just doing it in person. Every once in a while, you're doing it in a line, even though Emily <laughs> hates lines. Hate lines. Um, you're doing it in air conditioned theaters. Um, but it's just it truly is tv just like popping off the screen and so i just i enjoy that and wondering who you're going to run into in the lobby or the street um a lot of times you'll see people that you just saw on a panel in the audience for the next panel which is so fun for us yeah um but yeah i think that that is why
2: i love the festival
0: That's a good reason. And Emily, you are the co-founder of the festival.
2: I'm the other one. (laughs) The other half. I get that a lot. (laughs) You pause by either name. We'll take it. (laughs) I know. At least you and Ben have the same name. (gasps) (laughs) Um, That's true. Emily
0: Gibson is your name. (laughs) Yes.
2: I am Emily Gibson, co-founder co-executive director ATX Television Festival. I. It feels very surreal right now in a funny way that I don't usually feel this on the first day. Usually I'm like, okay, we're started. We're ready to go. We're off to the races. And right now I'm looking around going like, oh, everyone is here. And it, for some reason, it's just like a very surreal feeling. <laughs> and I like, oh, this is starting right now. But this is the moment I love from here for the next four days. Mm-hmm. It is this seeing people interacting seeing people laughing seeing people watching tv on the big screen hearing the panels when I mean, we do jump from panel to panel and try and catch two minutes of as many things as we can but actually seeing the people enjoying the festival and enjoying being with each other I mean as Kate said I do hate lines which I think is ironic that I started a festival because you have to wait in lines <laughs> at festivals but even that experience we try it you see the community forming in that experience. Mm-hmm. People talking to each other. I mean, we tell everyone, if you don't know what to say to someone, ask what their favorite TV show is. Because there's a good chance, even if it's not your favorite, that you like it or you've never heard of it and they're going to tell you about it and then you're going to go love it. So it's just like, it's so easy to talk to people standing next to you and everyone's willing and excited to do that, including panelists. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just attendees. Our panelists are just as excited to talk about their favorite shows, which are usually not the ones they made that it's even... Totally. I I was about they're to say that, that
1: they'd rather be asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they will be happily talk about things that they've made and obviously want yeah, to be yeah. complimented on that, but they would love to talk about the shows that they're watching. I mean, I love Absolutely. you in most podcasts asking, yeah. what are you watching? What are you loving? And they love
0: people to talk love about that. Talk. People who love TV, love TV. Yeah, and those and, are the people who and show that has better.
1: always been really, it seems so obvious, but. The thing that, since the beginning of this festival, that is amazing to me is the people who make TV, love TV more than I think other mediums. I I mean, obviously I'm biased, but like, I just think that they they got into TV because they loved it. It shaped them as a child. They wanted to, to sort of get into the world that they sat in front of that box as a kid and watched TV shows, and now they want to make them, and they're influenced by them. And so... I have just always been extremely blown away by how much the people who make TV yeah.
0: love this. Well, and there it. is, you know, that comes across here. There's, it's such a positive-feeling fest, and it's right. a very inclusive-feeling fest because we do all love a thing here. Like, right. we're all yeah. here because we want to go to TV summer camp. Um, so you guys have... Uh, you've been doing this fest for now six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- before we move on from the fest itself... What are What is the stuff you're so excited about this year? I know it's happening this weekend. This isn't going to go out for a couple weeks, but right. we can sort of give a preview of the podcast and, and uh, streaming stuff that's going to come yeah. out.
1: I am really excited for opening night. We're premiering Sharp Objects, HBO's new summer miniseries with Amy Adams, but it's Jean-Marc Valet directing and Marty Knoxon writing and Jason Bloom producing um, and it just feels like an extreme evolution for us. We, we premiered the first festival. Our opening night was a rerun of Suits and a new episode of Royal Pains, which we loved. Uh, but to have gone in, in six short years from that as opening night to potentially the next big thing on HBO, we hope so, knock on wood. Yeah. But even if it's not, I mean, Amy Adams and everything right. else, like it is extreme prestige. So to have been, a, and not, it's not just prestige. Like it, I believe it is going to be, you know, the Big Little Lies kind of summer series for them to have that be opening night in this way just feels Great to me as a programmer and a
2: viewer. I'm also very excited for the Felicity reunion. We'll get it's Full House. house. <laughs> I would say I mean, something. I've, we have no idea how this is going to go, but I'm really excited to see it happen. Is uh, we're doing a sneak peek of the new Mayans show, mm-hmm. Mayans MC, which is the Sons of Anarchy spinoff. Um, but we're also in Austin this weekend. There is a huge motorcycle rally where thousand motorcycles ride down Congress, which is right outside where we are right now um, on Friday night. In this big parade where bikers from all over come into town. So we are leaning in, and the Mayans cast and Kurt Sutter will be leading the parade down Congress, right in front of the hotel, circling around, and then doing a panel at the Paramount, which is right next door, the theater right next door. I think it's going to be chaos um, in such a beautiful way. And then we're going to do the panel with ATX attendees and bikers. I mean, bikers (laughs) Um, from the street, other bikers that are riding in the parade are all going to come in, and we're all going to be one big community, and that's one thing I love about Austin. That I feel like you can't do that in many other cities. I feel like it's a very Austin thing, but then it's also... A very TV camp thing. Like, mm-hmm. we also call ourselves a television experience, and there's nothing like experiencing Mayans MC surrounded by bikers.
0: <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be amazing. Uh, <laughs> I look forward to people being able to, like, see the video of that and everything. Yeah. Um, so, so, you guys, we've talked about this for a while now, uh, have finally premiered an ATX podcast. Uh, Tell me about it. Uh, And it sort of stays with the summer camp theme, Uh, but it's based on, the title is based on something Norman Lear said?
1: Correct. Um, So the title of the podcast series is The TV Campfire. And we honored Norman Lear uh, a couple years ago, and we found this quote um, that was basically that television is the modern day campfire, that... um, You gather around the camp... The way that you used to gather around the campfire to tell and hear stories, you now gather around the television to tell and hear not to tell I guess as much but to hear, <laughs> to hear your story Hear and talk about stories. It but just, it is a communal experience. It is experience. a communal experience. It's also like, like, I mean we would literally have thought about it so much that it's like the box glows kind of yeah, like a fire totally. and like the image in my head is like a dark room with the TV mm-hmm. glowing very similar to a campfire. So we basically decided that we wanted to do a podcast for a while. We wanted to be able to reach people who physically can't come to Austin. Um, we've been releasing panels on your podcast for a number of years and it just felt like a really nice evolution. So we wanted to start with original episodes not live panels Um, and each episode is based on a panel we have done at some point uh, but with two sometimes three people instead of six in a podcast studio instead of a live Mm -hmm. audience Um, but just a really more in-depth conversation about that topic our, our pie in the sky dream is that each of these episodes can also act as a pilot mm-hmm. to their own series um, so hopefully it does well <laughs> we can do more of them <laughs> but the first few episodes um, some of them are pretty basic but like a showrunner defined mm-hmm. really just talking about what a showrunner actually does do you understand what that job mm-hmm. is the balance of it that one's with Carlton Cuse and Carrie Aaron um, and
0: it is I mean just to reiterate uh, and I put out the recording from mm-hmm. the showrunner defined panel that you Correct. did I think last year Mm right and um the uh tv campfire podcast is sort of a deeper dive into that conversation between two people rather Mm -hmm. than four people yeah and new it's really interesting yeah
1: um, we did one on a TV mixtape, which mm-hmm. we also did a panel last year, um, which is probably, if it hasn't been released, would be now, but with music supervisors and creators. This one that we did is with Jason Kadoms. It also has his editor talking about really crafting the sound mm-hmm. of a show. Um, we did one called First Gigs Big Breaks, which is about mentorship and your first jobs and who gave them to you. That one's with Bill Lawrence and Kevin Beagle. Um, but they there are even ones, the Complex Not Complicated is actually I think it in my head for me this podcast was launched around complex not complicated um, it was a panel we did last year with actresses and female showrunners talking about female characters on TV uh, and their own careers just being women in the industry what they've come up against what they think about female characters really I think at the core of it that idea of like does a woman have to be likable and what the word likable means nobody could really <laughs> tell <laughs> um, but we did the panel last year and Mary McDonnell of all people was like you should do she she said, "Lock the doors. You're never leaving. We're never leaving this room. Like she wanted to talk about it all day. She tried to pitch <laughs> us that we should do a women in television only festival at a different time, four Love days it. of just women in TV. This I'm is a not great opposed. Idea. Um, but it just felt like they wanted to talk about this more than an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be able to re- the the episode that's in this first inaugural series is with Justina Machado and Gloria Calderon Kellett from right. One Day at a Time, but." what broke open then recording that episode was it's not just about being a woman it's uh, about ethnicity and religion and politics and anything that is unfortunately sort of disregarded as complicated which is seen as negative versus complex which is seen as deep and layered and a thing that you want This, this description of things and they just went really deep on it so I love that the episodes that we're releasing now are very technical, mm-hmm. like a job title and what that is, right. to really what TV is as well, which is a place to learn, a place to be exposed to things yes. that you wouldn't normally.
0: To, to, to sort of explore bigger ideas, correct. yeah. Uh, so that complex, not complicated, is in this first run mm-hmm. of how many episodes?
1: Uh, there will be six at the end, okay. of that.
0: and then and then hopefully many more. Hopefully many, many more. Yeah. Uh, and I think I, I put out the complex, not complicated recording last year, yeah, so yeah. people it's out there. People Makes can sense. find that one. Um, we're going to give a sneak preview um, of a conversation with Marta Kaufman.
1: Marta Kaufman and Hannah. K.S. Cantor, her daughter, and yes. co-producer
2: on Grace and Frankie.
0: Uh, Marta, one of my favorite interviews I've gotten to do at ATX, but in the entirety of the uh, writers panel. She's
2: so freaking cool. Sitting When we were recording this podcast, sitting in the room with the two of them, listening to the inception of Friends, the pitch of mm-hmm. Friends, the story of how it like first got made and the first couple years of it, you're like, this show is I mean, obviously one of the biggest shows ever on television, if not the biggest show ever on television, and to sit with not only Marta, but also Hannah, because mm-hmm. Hannah was young at the time. And hearing Hannah tell stories that she remembered from oh, the set that's of crazy. friends it's so cool, and their conversation about like what Hannah thought about it, it also felt in such a funny way that... They'd never really had this conversation before. I love that. Like, I'm sure they had talked about it, but they were really turning to each other and asking each other (laughs) questions that you're like, have you, there was, I figured this would be like an around the kitchen table conversation, but they really (laughs) were like, what did you think about it during this time? What did you think about it? What do you remember? My
1: absolute favorite from it is Marta turning to Hannah in a way that I do believe she never asked this question and going, were you impressed? (laughs) Like with that friends, her daughter. Like, were you impressed? And, like, so cool. it also makes sense. Like, in a way that, yes, you assume that they have talked about it, but then when you actually think about it, you're like, no, why would you? Like, well,
3: <laughs> and you have to listen to the podcast to hear to the, know the answer. answer. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nice. Uh, okay, so we're going to, uh, people can get the TV Campfire podcast. Yes. It's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, and on all, all the, the places you listen to. Don't forget,
1: The. Like, That's if very you important. just do TV Campfire. There may be another one, but the is very important.
0: The <laughs> TV Campfire. Uh, we're going to play this quick uh, snippet of uh, this little sneak preview of the conversation between Marta and Hannah, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk for one more minute.
2: Great. Excellent.
0: That's a pause. <laughs> That's a great podcast. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this one. Yeah. Um, okay, so we got six in this inaugural yes. series. The last
1: one is live from this festival. It hasn't happened yet. It's David How Simon do you think it and went? the Kings. I have no idea. <laughs> I think it went so well.
2: I'm it
0: terrified. Means. So good.
1: I will so say, good. if the, in that case, the thing that we don't know, the, these first five are, you know, very. Like, sound, they're very highly produced. Mm-hmm. You, hear, you hear a campfire. They're sort of, we're trying new things um, with those. This one is, is going to be live okay. and therefore different. It will also have a moderator. Mm-hmm. All the other episodes are conversations between two people. Yeah. Um, there's no host. We're not, we intro them, but they, we're not in them. This one will have a moderator and will be live at the festival. So just know it will be a little different than the five that were before it.
0: I can't wait. Uh, that is one of the panels I want to go to this weekend because it sounds fascinating um, as as usual. this is a fantastic fest. Um, as we are recording this, we are just getting into season seven of the festival. Um, congratulations, it went so well. <laughs> As this is coming out, it's over. It's been over for a week. So another amazing amazing triumph. Can you believe that thing happened at the Felicity Uh, panel?
2: Oh Uh, my gosh, it was so crazy.
1: I
0: can't believe Hulu is bringing back Felicity.
1: Oh, oh, (laughs) oh my gosh! What (laughs) if?
0: That would be the best announcement. That
1: or we got a thirty-something reunion. Now we'll have (laughs) sixty-something.
0: That would be amazing. Um, So we're coming up next year, uh, season eight. That's a very long ways away. What do you want to tell? Us. <laughs> uh, I assume all the booking is done. Sure.
1: I mean, TV
2: is what's <laughs> happening in TV in a year. I will say it's funny to see we do pre-sell badges for next year at this mm-hmm. year's festival. And so we've been seeing those badge sales come in yesterday, which I know this, this is coming out in a week. So the Wednesday awesome, before man. the festival started, we're already seeing people buy badges for next year. Right. So we're at least going to have attendees. Yeah. I don't know if well, we're yeah, going to have like 50 people have already attendees. coming.
0: <laughs> if nothing else, you fill a room and we just talk about TV for yeah. a couple of hours. Exactly. That's
2: what we do.
0: Uh, I'm sure as every year, you know, stuff you're chasing and then there's new stuff that's going to come out that we'll all be excited about and want to talk about. It will be another amazing festival. Um, Tell people one more time, one, where they can get badges to next year's festival.
2: ATXfestival.com.
0: Which has all the information, Two, and has links to like the video you guys have done and everything. All the stuff. Uh, And two, again, the TV campfire
2: available wherever
1: you get podcasts please subscribe and i will say
0: for people who listen to this podcast to the writers panel they will love the tv campfire podcast uh which you know i think when you guys started doing the festival you always described it as for being for people who love the dvd extras yeah and that is how the podcast sounds i think people really dig it oh, uh, congrats on it thank, thank you, you. Stay tuned. Uh, This is the ATX official podcast called The TV Campfire. This clip is terrific. The entire podcast, The TV Campfire, is terrific. Subscribe to The TV Campfire wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Nothing good will come out of a pitch that doesn't live in your heart, where the core of the show isn't something that you live and breathe.
1: You're listening to The TV Campfire, presented by ATX Television
2: Festival. Hi again, Caitlin and Emily here, ATX Festival founders, and your podcast guides for another episode all about the pitch.
1: Ever wonder how your favorite series got started? What was the original idea?
2: How was it pitched in the room? How they got a studio or network on board? What is a pitch anyway? We've got your TV hack right here. Get ready for a conversation between two amazing TV talents, a legend and an up-and-coming voice, but also
1: a conversation between a mother and daughter. We brought in ATX Festival alum and TV powerhouse, Marta Kaufman, who you might know from a little-known project a few years back. Four hints. Marta is one of our absolute
2: favorite people to talk TV with. So is her daughter and co-conspirator, Hannah Cantor. You're gonna hear all about the original pitches for friends and Grace and Frankie, insider stories, bizarre pre-pitch traditions. Well, we're bringing you the whole journey from napkin scribble to small screen. So pull up a log, pour yourself a drink, start roasting that marshmallow and settle in for what's your pitch.
4: My name is Hannah Cantor. I am a producer on Grace and Frankie, uh, executive producer on the documentary Seeing All Red, and I am the VP of Current and Development at OK Goodnight.
3: And I'm Marta Kaufman, and I did a bunch of stuff. I created Friends and Dream On, and am also a producer on Seeing All Red, and executive producer and showrunner, and created Grace and Frankie with Howard Morris. I also like to think of myself as a director and a very fancy person.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So fancy.
3: So fancy. You can tell by my flat shoes and...
4: (laughs) Earth tones. Earth tones, (laughs) yes. When I was younger, I used to think that I was going to be a teacher, I think, most of all. I would, like, set my dolls up, painstakingly teach them, like, math... That was, like, my, how I wanted to play with my My Size Barbie really and I'd, like, up. admonish her for not learning her addition <laughs> for not paying attention to me. I think that's what I initially thought for
3: myself. You know, as much as Barbie dolls are small-waisted... I'm convinced that if you look at what people did with their Barbie dolls, it's related to what they do as adults. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to put on shows for God with my Barbie dolls because my parents weren't interested in watching them, (laughs) or my dog. I would do it for my dog. When I was a kid, though, I didn't think I would go into this business. My mother told people I was going to teach people with mental disabilities. That's what she told people. She was convinced of it. She told it based on nothing that you based on nothing. Then that that's what she wanted me to do. Then I thought I was gonna be a ballerina, but I grew breasts, so that stopped. And then I realized I like telling stories. We started doing musicals, writing book and lyrics for musicals, and we did that in college, and then sort of went, oh, this is fun. Way more fun than being an actor, which I was for about 14 minutes. A lot more fun being on the other side of the table. A television pitch is A, a sales tool, And B, the description, it should give you the essence of what a show is going to look like. It's about the show generally rather than more specifically. It's about what a season might look like, who the characters are, the kinds of stories you might want to tell, why the show should be on the air today, now, why you should be the writer for it and what makes you passionate about it
4: another thing you know that you taught me about a pitch is that the way that it's written or performed or conveyed should tonally reflect the ultimate series that it's one thing to describe the tone but you should really be proving to the buyer i'm inside of this tone this is the way i'm making you feel right now is the way this show is going to make you feel
3: that's absolutely right which means i was absolutely right when i first (laughs) said that to you
4: you are a genius (laughs) (laughs)
3: that's how i like to think of myself
4: it's very true
3: though to get a sense of the tone you can't just describe the tone You have to write the tone in the pitch, and the pitch needs to be not just a written document, but a document that, in essence, has the feeling of what the show is. You want to write it conversationally as if I, as if I were telling the story to you of the show, not some well-written description of the show, but I'm telling you the story and I want you to get involved and I want you to get sucked in.
4: One of my pet peeves when I hear, you know, pitches for people for development for OK Good Night to take on or, or read, you know, pitch documents is when, they say it's a half-hour comedy, but there's nothing funny about any of it. And so it leaves you being like, well, why well, is funny. it a comedy? Why how how can I trust aside from you telling me it's going to be funny? There's no It's like, you know, a lot of people do that
3: where they write comedy pitches that aren't funny, or they talk about why it's single, they talk about that it's single camera, but not why mm-hmm. it should be single camera. Or that it's multi-camera, but why? How is multi-camera going to help you? Every choice you make in a pitch has to give you more information about what the show is.
4: Right. And it needs to be deliberate. It all needs to support right. your vision. And the your pitch is an oppor- idea. opportunity to... Tell someone why all of these pieces combined makes this vision.
3: And it's you always have to come back to what is at the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. What's at the heart of it? If it's a half-hour comedy that's really funny, then you better put some jokes in there. If it's got heart, you better put things in there that make you understand where the drama comes from. And why so, you care. And... Right. The pitch is a, a sample of what people will feel about
4: the show. When when OK Goodnight is deciding how to pursue a sale, if if we're choosing between whether to submit a, a script or write a script internally and then submit it or or to pitch it, we always choose to pitch it because Marta is the most amazing pitch master of all time. And every pitch that we've ever done, no matter if they buy it in the room or if they're not interested or whatever it is, they always say... That was an amazing pitch. That's like the first words out of their mouth regardless, and we know for a fact that that's not always the case because we've pitched shows with other writers, and it doesn't always feel that way. So when it's internal development, we always pitch.
3: True that. We always pitch. And I've seen some dreadful pitches. Dreadful. A dreadful pitch can be many things. One is that... The person who's pitching is reading directly from a document and doesn't make eye contact. Another way for a dreadful pitch is where you can't follow what the story's about. We actually had one of those today.
4: (laughs) (laughs) We well, did. We're not going to go into that no, anymore. It, well, it's one of those things. It's like when you want, you want to like it and you feel like there might be a there there, but when the person who's supposed to be carrying that vision forward can't even sell you on it and you're already, like, one foot in the door, it's just kind of dead in the water.
3: The other thing that makes a bad pitch is where you have no emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. There is never... Nothing good will come out of a pitch that doesn't live in your heart, where the core of the show isn't something that you live and breathe. If you're just pitching something because it's an idea, it's never going to work. It's got to be something that you feel 100% in your soul.
4: Yeah. I think that passion is really important because there is a chance that that passion will also live in one other person in that room. If you're really kind of bleeding for this story and you're sure in your in your gut that this needs to be told, you have a chance of sparking, you know, that flame in that other person.
3: And and let me just say I think I don't often give myself compliments, but I am really good at pitching. And I think part of the reason for that is not just the way the pitch is written, but it's also and how to perform it. Mm-hmm. It's a performance. Definitely. I know that pitch inside and out. And I will, you know, move my finger along the pitch that I have, but I know it inside and out. I know where the jokes come. You know, I, I was used to doing this with David Crane when we were pitching all the way up through Friends, where we just knew how to finish each other's sentences, and it was an easy flow. You know, this is a pitch is something that should be alive. It should be alive.
4: And... I think in in keeping with that, there was one pitch that we did—well, I'll back up and say that you have to not only perform your pitch, but you have to believe everything that you're saying and, and get inside of all of that. We did a pitch one time where someone halfway through was like, I'm sorry, this totally sucks. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And just bailed on herself, I think, just out of insecurity. And— <laughs> It was, it was so. I mean, you know, because it's and so and you know what, it wasn't the pitch. worst
3: pitch I've ever been no, in.
4: No, no. Well, and it wasn't. It wasn't a bad show.
3: No, it wasn't a bad show.
4: But it was, was self. She realized halfway through it degree. that
3: she didn't get it. She realized, which was, you know what, just as well. Yep, just as well.
4: Yeah, but it was. It was a moment where if she hadn't sort of called it off. And she f- ended up finishing the pitch, but it just sucked all of the air out of the room because it's like, why would they buy in if you are not even convinced? It was just, it was brutal
3: to and watch. And you can be very convinced, and it doesn't mean the people you're pitching to are. Right. I mean, you can pitch a comedy to people who have no sense of humor, and it's like pitching to a doorknob.
4: We pitched to someone once who was just, like, scrolling through his phone the entire time. And that, I mean, you can have an amazing pitch, and that will kill it. So let me just share the one of the
3: worst pitches I've ever been a party to. Dave and I were pitching a show. The guy who we were pitching to, as we are pitching, his eyes were closing and he was literally holding his eyes open the way you do in front of a teacher, oh, trying God. to hold his eyes open. And he got up at one point in the middle of our pitch and made cappuccino. Frothing the milk and all. Oh, my God. I mean, literally it's going he's going go ahead keep going keep pitching and he's steaming milk in the middle of our pitch
4: there could not be a louder activity that a person could correct unless you're killing someone i mean maybe it was awful it was awful. so it's like even you know there's so many there's so many x factors like it's such a delicate it's sort of like you know when a tv show hits the airwaves it's like there's so much that has to coalesce to have that perfect you know everybody feeling on the same page and the vibes are right but
3: yeah you can do the greatest dog and pony show in the world and it may not matter Mm -hmm. but if you don't have a good dog and pony show it will matter right
4: that is very well stated why thank
3: you i worked hard on that (laughs) thought about it all last night (laughs)
4: How much do you remember about the original pitch for Friends?
3: I don't remember the words. I remember, here's what I remember. I remember the show that we always knew the show was about that time in your life when your friends are your family. When we did our very we were doing the very last couple episodes and the Today show came and it was Matt Lauer. He was asking the questions, and he read the pitch to the cast. I think it was our last episode. And what was astonishing to me was that it was always about the same thing, that we never strayed from what the core belief, the heart of the show was, which was, it's the show about the time in your life when your' friends or your family.
2: Hey, y'all. Caitlin and Emily here, the co-founders of ATX Television Festival. We're producing our first ever podcast called The TV Campfire. Each episode of The TV
1: Campfire will tackle everything from mysterious jobs no one really understands, like showrunner, creating music for TV, how to pitch, building complex characters, and not to brag, but we've got some pretty spectacular guests. So grab a bag of marshmallows and get ready. Please subscribe, send to a friend, share on social.
2: It truly makes all of the difference. Check out atxfestival.com for more info.